What is good, everyone, and welcome to the We Just Talk Wrestling podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm here with Dylan and Christian this week. We have a loaded show for you guys today, but as always, we'll break down the weekly shows, going over any stories from all the different promotions. We will be reacting to Millennium Pro Wrestling's Shinobi show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WJTW19 and give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. So, Dylan, we'll start with you. Cut your eye in wrestling this week. Yeah, so um, on a recent, I believe it was on his podcast, um, Jim Ross hinted that his current run with AEW would be his last one, um, hinting that when the time comes, he will retire with AEW. Um, Jim Ross has been doing this for about 50 years, and is probably the most recognizable voice in all of pro wrestling. And I, I don't know about you guys, but it is a little sad to me that we're not going to get at least one more match uh, or him, him calling at least one more match in WWE. That's obviously where he's, he's best known. Uh, but regardless of where he finally decides to hang it up, Jim Ross is by far probably the most legendary commentator of all time. Uh, so whenever his retirement does come i know he's dealt with some health issues in the past um actually very recently with with his uh battle with skin cancer and stuff like that which by the way he says he is now cancer free he's just you know treating wounds and stuff um so that's good news but all in all jim ross is a legend he didn't he didn't say necessarily when that retirement could come but it sounds like it's coming very soon yeah you know, no, it really does. It, it's so weird because he is one of the all-time greats, you know, with Monsoon and you have Heenan and all those guys. But uh, he's he's definitely one of the standards of commentary. Uh-huh. But uh, it's going to be absolutely sad because we grew up listening to Jim Ross. Mm-hmm. So not hearing him uh, at some point, it's going to be really, really weird. So uh, wish him the best in his recovery and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Christian? Yeah. And uh, like Dylan said, about what fifty years now in the business, yep. you know, commentating Raw, SmackDown, greatest announcer of all time. You know, my definitely one of the biggest parts of my childhood. Listening to him every Monday night or Friday night. Now you know, on eight, he's definitely in his retirement. You know, that's moving forward, and hopefully. Cancer is on the list. Happy long life. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Christian, what do you got for us this week? You guys are kind of sick. There's more. It's not oh, boy. That AEW star now 100% refusing. Punk at all. Nobody wants to work with him. Pushing him aside. They don't even want. And Chris Jericho came out and had some very. Um, <laughs> I think the AW locker room compared this to the CBS competition series Survivor. I don't know if you guys ever watched it. And yep. Mm-hmm. The collective decided he was voted off the island. It's also been reported that. All out scrum that there was tension between Punk and a lot of other superstars and Tony Khan and Locke. Either 
you know, that he really even wants to talk about bringing him. Well, I mean, I mean, WWE is the only one who has the the wallet to even bring in CM Punk if it's not going to be AEW. Yeah, and there have been very, very <laughs> like many reports of Triple H and CM Punk never seeing eye to eye together. Um, and that was just when they shared a locker room as wrestlers. Right. Now you think Triple H is the head of creative. Um, I did see a report that some people were like Triple H would be open to it because at the end of the day, he wants compelling TV and CM Punk is a star, whether we, we, we think he is or not. But it also morale in WWE is sky high since yeah. Triple H took over. And Chris Jericho described CM Punk, quote, as a cancer. <laughs> so I don't think Triple H is bringing that guy into his locker room. I mean, Triple H had to fix a lot just from Vince being in charge. You're not going to bring CM Punk in. Uh, no. it's, it's, it, Punk is going to ride off into, you know, doing whatever it is he wants to do, writing, you know, Walking Dead fan fiction and stuff. I don't know. Um, I, look, I love punk. You guys both know how much I love punk, but it's kind of sad to see it end this way. If 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 I'm being brutally honest, yeah, I, I mean, but it's not surprising. That no, it ended this no, way. no, no, not at all, not at all. So, I mean, last thing is, you know, punk to WWE would be interesting. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for where they're going now. If they wanted to do like a one-off at the Royal Rumble cool but or a um, hall of fame I, or a hall of fame something like that mm. but uh, other than that i just particularly wouldn't want to see him full time but okay. we're gonna go in the mind real quick so i got some free agent news so it was reported by multiple sources that bandito and juice robinson have both signed to aew uh bandito had that great performance against chris jericho and i believe juice robinson fought John Moxley on uh, AEW. So both of those guys have gotten contracts. Um, Bandito was really requested by the fans just because of that one match. And then uh, Juice Robinson, I don't know how much they really needed him, but it made a lot of sense just because Tony Storm is there. So that's probably why the biggest reason why. Yes. Um, WWE. So uh, WWE is apparently very close to getting Chelsea Green. Uh, Chelsea Green, I'm not the biggest fan of her in-ring, but she's got a lot of character stuff she can bring to the table. Um, so it does make a lot of sense for them. Uh, Tegan Knox, apparently Triple H just wants her back. Mia Yim wants her back. Or uh, Triple H wants Mia Yim back. The most interesting name, though, uh, I think Zero News um, reported this, that Matt Cardona is likely on his way to WWE. So with those uh, being said, Dylan, uh, what caught what name caught your eye the most? Well, the last one uh, because I I read a report where Matt Cardona came out and he basically said that the Zack Ryder character is dead. Mm-hmm. So if Cardona does come to WWE, is he rolling with the Matt Cardona character? Yes. Or are they going to try yep. and revert him back to Zack Ryder? No, it'd be Cardona. Yeah, um, which I'm all for. If you bring Cardona in, I think Chelsea Green yeah, comes along because, again, fits the character, stuff like that. They can, they can work together. Um, 
the least surprising name on there to me is Tegan Knox. Of course, Triple H wants Tegan Knox. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like um, and and I think we all do too. Um, the big thing with with Tegan, at least for me personally, is like I, I want to see her put together a healthy run because it seems like the last time she was in WWE, I mean, she put together a string of matches, everyone get behind her, and then she, you know, hurt her knee or or or, or whatever. Um, so I'm sure there's some hesitancy there, but if she could stay healthy, dude, she's a million bucks. I mean, she can she can definitely go in the ring. Well, the thing is, you can throw her in war games because yeah. apparently Oscar yeah. has an injury. Mm-hmm. So if she can't make it to war games, throw Tegan Knox in there. I mean, that's absolutely. her and Dakota have that heat already. Throw her in there, and dude, that match is going to be absolutely insane. But uh-huh. uh, Christian, what do you think about the free agent news? I think Matt Cardona WWE can be a great thing. You know, as we know like Dylan said on one podcast a while ago, he rebranded himself as, you know, extreme wrestler. And, uh, just had a match on impact. But Kelsey green, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of her either. I think the character works there, the ring work, it, it's very inconsistent ring work. It'll be good. Some nights, the next night it'll be, you know, and I didn't really care for it. But, I mean, you know, it's like Kyle said, uh, women's division, it needs depth right now. It needs depth badly. It needs it more than raw. So, I mean, it may not be the worst thing. I think Chelsea did the best. But depth is depth at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. That's what they need. They just need bodies on that women's division. Triple H is a big fan of women's wrestling, so expect even more women to get signed. And I, I know he's going after Mia Yim. Even though Keith Lee's on AEW, I know he's he's going to go really after Mia Yim. So yep. it'll be interesting to see where it happens. But you guys ready for AEW? Mm-hmm. All righty. Starting with Rampage, John Moxley defeated uh, Matt Menard in singles action. Also, Wardlow retaining his TNT title against newly signed Matt Taven. Very predictable match, but we did see Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage teasing a partnership after. But it'll probably lead to nothing. Both be on Rampage as well and not on Dynamite. Off to Dynamite. Swerve in our glory was able to beat FDR in the number one contenders match for the AW tag team titles from the assistants, the Gun Club. Uh, Brian Danielson beat Sammy Guevara in singles action. Jamie Hayter defeated Riho. In the main event, John Moxley retained his AW title against Pentagon Jr. And after the match, the firm destroyed both. John Moxley and MJF. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the firm, but they could be testing the waters for a possible MJF MJF babyface turn. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen personally, but maybe they're just testing the waters. Interesting to see what they do. I fully expect MJF to win at full gear. I don't know what's going to happen with there. I, I think William Regal could possibly turn on the Blackpool Combat Club and help MJF, not sure, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. I personally don't want to see a Regal-MJF partnership um, because I think Regal is a great mouthpiece for those who need it. MJF obviously doesn't need it. Um, I'm not against a little bit of a babyface run for him. The cat's losing his mind right now. I'm with you, buddy. Um (laughs) <laughs> lost my train of thought. Fuck. 
I think I think if you book it right, it it, it could work. That being said, MJF is a natural heel, so I think that's gonna you know people are gonna be a little hesitant to kind of take to that. But I think I think it could work. And his promo on Dynamite when he accept or uh, cashed in his chip, I thought was incredible, incredible. And it it certainly was basically a babyface promo, whether people want to believe it or not. But um, so I'm all for that if they do it right. But <laughs> You never know, Tony Khan. Maybe we'll bring CM Punk back. <laughs> Christian, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, all right, so I'm kind of on the opposite end of MJF going as a baby face. He needs to stay a heel. It, I agree. You know, it just it wouldn't feel right him being. That's just me saying that. I'm only a heel. Well, he's only been a heel. How is he going to work on the mic as a baby face? That's what well, I... Well, we've seen it the last couple of weeks, honestly. Yeah. yeah. You have, but a full-time heel? True. Or, uh, excuse me, a full-time baby face? I just mm, can't really... I think... I think I think the only thing that changes about that character if he does become a baby face is that she's, he just stops insulting the crowd. That's it. Yeah, pr- I mean, pretty much. Yeah, and he he changes some of the lingo that he uses, but no, I yeah. think he still calls people a mark and everything. I just think he stops insulting the crowd in the town that he's in. That's it. It's like it's like Kevin Owens is a babyface, but you know, he still runs out there, and runs his mouth, and kicks ass. So I personally, I personally just want to see him as a heel. Personally, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it could work if you do it right. Yeah, we have MJF going. Moxley with as faces maybe. See that's see that's the thing. I think if he's babyface, I think it takes away from that moment. So mm-hmm. I personally think he needs to be a heel in that match, really sell it, and then maybe after the title test the waters. I think he needs to be a heel going into that match. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Maybe uh, Tony Khan will call uh, CM Punk back for a match shut, against MJF. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna go to. Uh, Dylan, with the WWE news this week. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to dive into Raw really quick. Um, Austin Theory defeated Mustafa Ali in singles action. Uh, Elias defeated Chad Gable in singles action. This was after uh, Elias and uh, or uh, Otis and, and Gable confronted Elias and Matt Riddle in the back. And Elias was like, hey, no, we're not a group. We're not a band. And Matt Riddle looked very sad. He's been carrying around bongos the last couple of weeks, trying to trying to be Elias's friend. We're back to the stoner Matt Riddle gimmick, and I'm all for it. Uh, Baron Corbin defeated Johnny Gargano via pinfall. Um, Gargano is probably the biggest menace on Raw right now, so he cost the Miz a match against our truth, all people dressed as Dexter Loomis at ringside. Um, and during the Baron Corbin match, he stole JBL's cowboy hat and started like dancing on the commentary table, like doing finger guns and stuff. But Johnny Gargano is just losing his mind. Right? Dude, you, well, you can tell that he's <laughs> loving this. He's having so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Finn Balor defeated uh, Carl Anderson via pinfall. There was a lot of cool stuff going on outside of the ring. Uh, there was a backstage segment with the OC, and um, AJ Styles was like, we have to neutralize Rhea Ripley because she's like the wild card. Um, and Luke Gallows is like, nah. 
Don't worry about that. I got that. Well, Rhea Ripley power slammed his ass on the outside and <laughs> yeah, tried to too sweet him afterwards. Uh, Rhea Ripley's a million bucks right now. She yeah, is on top of her game. Just a powerhouse, man. And um, I'm really intrigued because I think that'll be War Games, the club, and, and, and um, uh, Judgment Day. So I'm really intrigued to see who they get as the female counterpart to Rhea Ripley because she's got to be in the match, right? Oh, she's a, oh yeah, she, yeah. She's, they're not they're not leaving her on the, the outside right as a, a yeah yeah. So I'm really intrigued to see who they get. Uh, but the big story about Raw was a match between Bailey and Bianca Belair in the uh, the main event, and there was a lot of interference going on outside of the ring from one Nikki Cross. Not Nikki ASH. The superhero gimmick is gone. Thank God. Um, she attacks the baby faces, and everyone assumes that she's aligned with uh, damage control. However, after Bailey picks up the win, she goes after everyone else. Uh, she attacks Bailey in the ring, tries to stand tall. The crowd, I will say, wasn't hot for it. I don't know if it's just because they were tired or maybe it was executed poorly. I personally think a true Nikki Cross run. Kyle and I have been saying this for the last, what, year and a half. We need Nikki Cross to be Nikki Cross again. And the fact that she's not necessarily aligning herself with anyone, that she's kind of back to the sort of crazy kind of beat at her own drum gimmick um i think could work in triple h's vision in wwe more depth absolutely uh let's move on to smackdown real quick because there's a lot of funny shit to talk about <laughs> um the new day defeated the maximum male models via pinfall uh live morgan attacked sonya to build backstage we got a braun Strowman promo um again just building up his match with omos at crown jewel uh, there was the SmackDown Women's Championship Open Challenge. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this on social media, but Ronda Rousey, when she arrived at the arena, just like in street clothes, they asked her, like, you know, what are her thoughts about the Open Challenge, who it might be. She goes, I don't give a shit who it is. Uh, I'm not even going to stretch. I'm going to just go out there, kick ass, and then leave. Um, so Rousey's in the ring, ready to go, and then her opponent comes out. And it was none other than... Emma, uh, formerly Tennille Dashwood at Impact and, and uh, in other promotions. Uh, but Rousey did pick up the victory via pinfall. Uh, this was following an eye rake, so you could say that it was somewhat unclean. However, Emma did tap out to Rousey, and it seems like Emma is now back full-time in WWE. There's been a lot of rumors lately. Good. Uh, Shayna Baszler attacked Natalia backstage. This is after Natalia trash-talked Ronda Rousey. So is Shayna and Rousey going to be some sort of a team partnership? If, if you're asking me, I'm all for it because that will eventually lead to them splitting and then we get the match that we've been wanting all summer. That needs to be your WrestleMania main event. That needs to be your WrestleMania match. Well, they're going to do Becky. and, and, and well, it, so. it, well, I'm just saying, I don't care about Becky. This needs to be your WrestleMania match, and I hope Triple H sees that. But yeah. go on. I'm with you. They're going to win the Rumble. Exactly. She can win the Rumble. Yeah. Then I mean, she can start teasing it like for two months. I mean, she's certainly the most believable. Um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of the most believable, L.A. Knight proclaimed himself as God's gift to SmackDown. Um, <laughs> God, I love L.A. Knight. <laughs> and Karrion Cross defeated Madcap Moss. Um, we did get a full-on shot of Uncle Howdy, by the way. So Bray Wyatt back in the ring, cutting a promo very similar to his return promo. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and then he's interrupted on screen by this, by this um, 
kind of creepy figure, which is known as Uncle Howdy. Um, and there's a lot of uh, theories of who this might be, but I'm going to talk about some other stuff on SmackDown before we get back to the Uncle Howdy stuff. This Bray Wyatt stuff of him basically feuding with himself, and now it's kind of being believed that the Wyatt Six is just different personalities of Bray Wyatt and not necessarily a full faction, but we'll dive into that in a second. I want to talk about the bloodline, guys. <laughs> I got to talk about the bloodline. So there was a match between the uh, Brawling Brutes and uh, Sami Zayn and uh, Solo in which the Brutes picked up the win. This was a pretty competitive match, actually. It's very back and forth. About 15, 20 minutes. Um, Solo, by the way, is fucking money. And he might be one of my favorite things in the bloodline right now. All, say, four, all four of those guys are. Yeah. I say one of because Sami Zayn is is in a league of... Yo, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, so yeah. there was a confrontation after the match, after the Brutes win, uh, where Jey Uso and Sami Zayn are, are basically arguing with each other and... There's a lot of finger pointing and, and Jimmy's trying to get Jay back. And Sammy's like, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying and blah, blah, blah. Solo, by the way, doesn't do shit. He just kind of stands there. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that Solo never breaks character. And that's a little foreshadowing. So out comes Roman Reigns to a massive pop, by the way, because he's super over right now. Yeah. Um, and he's there to kind of diffuse the situation and, Jay and Sammy are going at it on the mic, and Sammy's like, look, I'm just trying to, like, uh, 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 create peace. Like, I'm trying to keep everything at, at, at peace because um, that's what the tribal chief wants. And Jay's like, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief wants. And then that goes like, oh. And Roman just gets in Jay's face and looks like he's about to beat the shit out of him. And Sammy's like, hey, look, hey, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Look, he just hasn't been very oozy lately dude that broke roman that broke, broke the whole that broke the whole group yeah <laughs> jimmy jimmy's in the back like by the corner like covering his face roman is front and center on camera and he just looks at sammy and then he has to like rub his eyes to keep himself from like dying laughing dude how, how did sammy not break character because sammy's amazing that's why i'm also <laughs> First off, great camera work because I'm really intrigued to see if Solo broke character and they never showed him <laughs> on screen. <laughs> but I'd like to think Solo just stood there the whole time with his arms crossed. Because yeah. That's what he does and I love it. Uh, so Roman kind of plays into it and I think he did it great because everyone's clearly breaking and he like puts his arm. Jay's trying to like turn his back to the camera to like hide the fact that he's laughing and Roman's like, no, 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 stay here. Stay here with me. Mm-hmm. Just me, you, you and I right now. He's like, so you're telling me you're acting like this because you're not feeling very oozy. He's like, so what can we do to get you feeling more oozy? Like he's, he plays into it. And then he basically says like, if you don't get your oozy back, I'm going to make Sammy, Sammy Uso. <laughs> We're going to take this honorary off the teacher. He's going to be a full-time oos. <laughs> because he's feeling oozy right now. <laughs> I thought this segment was a million bucks. It did overshadow the good match between the Brutes and the Bloodline. But, dude, the Bloodline is on fire right now. I, I think this could be segment of the year. Dude, it's, it's, it's up there. When we give our awards out, we might have to we'll, – we'll be talking about this for sure in a couple months. But, um, yeah, dude, this was great. This was absolutely great. But that's all I got for WWE this week. A lot to unravel.
Yeah, a lot. Uh, loved the Bloodline segment, and uh, Sami Zayn is just – he's just on fire. He is absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing about Uncle Howdy, a lot of people said it could just be Bray Wyatt. I don't know if you guys have seen the picture mm-hmm. of the earring. Yep. Possibly could be Bo Dallas. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Bo Dallas back. Um, so – I'm going to say it's Bo Dallas. I don't know about you guys. I think they do go with the faction just because if it's not the faction, what are we doing with Liv Morgan? Uh, why, why does she, I mean, I, I get the reasoning, but like ultimately it's got to lead to Wyatt. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it's just going to get overshadowed or something else. But uh, I'm going to be honest, probably the weakest week for WWE since Triple H took over um, there's just a lot of filler, and it's not even Triple H's fault. It's the Saudi Arabia shows that just kind of take away from it. He doesn't have a lot of booking power just because the Prince has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone cares about Braun versus Omos, even though how hard Braun is trying to put that over. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to see what happens next week in Saudi, but uh, I expect the storylines and everything to be better the night after Saudi. Oh yeah, going yeah, going into Survivor Series, I think we'll be back on track. But overall, I thought it was still a fine week. Christian, anything else? Yeah, I mean, Raw was Raw was rough. I don't think SmackDown was that bad. Decent. I mean, I can understand why they did Cross versus Madcap Moss. I mean, that was kind of a random pairing, if you ask me. But I've got a theory about this Uncle Howdy thing. I personally think it's Randy Orton. What? Oof. Well, wasn't Bray's last feud with Orton? Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, dive. I mean, okay, okay. You got to dive a little more in. Sell me. Sell me on this because now I'm intrigued. Well, when's the last time we've seen Orton on TV? Uh, uh, when they dropped the belts to Usies. Yeah. Like five months ago. I think it was even yeah. longer than that, but yeah, five or six months ago. And I've read, you know, conflicting reports about Orton saying that he could be back soon. He might not be back. You know, maybe Triple H is having him do all this stuff, you know, way backstage, and he knows when Orton's coming back. Maybe he wants this to be like a slow burn so Orton can still recover in time. I think an Orton Bray feud to start off Bray's, you know, return feud. I think that, but Bo oh, Dallas too. I'm all in for Bo Dallas as well. Oh, so you think Uncle Howdy turns immediately on Bray, which is Orton, and then we get Orton Bray? Yes. I mean, no one, nobody would see that coming. So. No, it'd definitely be a swerve. I I did see the same image that Kyle referenced uh, with the with the dangly cross uh, earring. Um, which is the same thing that Bo Dallas wore when he was part of the the Miz Taraj, right? Uh, which, by the way, amazing group. Um, I would say. <laughs> I oh, it, to... was, it was McGillicuddy in there too, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was the B team. It was Curtis <laughs> Axel and Bo Dallas. Um, <laughs> McGillicuddy, I love the B team. But anyway, um, I personally think it is Bo Dallas. Um, I think the, the 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 standard prediction is that everyone thinks it's just Bray. Yeah, you know kind of feuding with himself, like I said. Um, the Randy Orton thing would be not out of left field in, like, a bad way, but it would be a good swerve. Huge. Um, but also, I mean, there's no telling when 
I've 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 heard reports that Randy might be done. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That his injury might be so severe that he's done. But also him doing just a talking segment as Uncle Howdy. I mean, that's a good way to keep him relevant. But very intrigued to see what they do with the Wyatt Six. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We have a lot to get into. Uh, last prediction. Uncle Howdy could be CM Punk. So we'll have Stop. to see what. <laughs> so we'll have to see what goes in there. I hate uh, the fact our... that you say this shit so like straight faced. All right, Christian. Uh, into the Impact news, where mm. CM Punk could show up. Soon. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and then we have the Indies, where CM Punk could be as well. But go on. That honestly is more believable. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's not a lot to talk about for Impact. <laughs> Right into it. No, there's not. So they started off basically firing Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, obviously, you know, AW stuff. Then we had Trey Miguel versus Allen Angels in the first round X Division title tournament match. Miguel hits the lightning spiral for the win. Then we had Tasha Steeles versus Rachel Sheel? Sheely? I, I don't know. Basically, Tasha walked out, grabs a mic, starts bashing her, then gets DQ'd when her manager, Savannah, attacks Rachel. Then we had Chris Bay versus Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, Chris Bay carried this match, and he won, as he should have. We had Matt Cardona versus Alex Shelley. This was actually a decent match. Cardona hit Shelley with one of the belts to pick up the win. Then we had Raj Shin versus or versus Kyle's guy Joe Hendry. Hendry. I like Joe Hendry. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not kidding. But go on. <laughs> Hendry hits the standing ovation for the win. In the main event, we had DXT teaming up with Jashelle Shaw versus Jordan Grace, Mickey James, and Taylor Wilde. Lots of back and forth tags. James Grace and Wilde pick up the victory. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot with Impact here. I think the the Dreamer stuff, the Rhino stuff, the Bully stuff is actually really hurting them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, at some point, I, I get it just because, they're, they're, I mean, they're losing wrestlers every week now. So yeah. they have to replace something that will get people talking. I get it. It's just not the best way to go with Bully Ray. Bully Ray might win this title. And I just don't think it's going to be a good way. Impact's in a very bad spot just because all some of those free agents that AEW wouldn't get would go to Impact. They're going WWE now. So yeah. they're not going to be able to get anybody. And when these contracts are up, when Steel's up, when Grace is up, when, you know, uh, Deanna's up, they might be leaving too. So I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I did want to say, remember, Dylan does think uh, Mickey James more talented than Shannon Baszler and Io Shirai, but – um, we will, <laughs> but uh, Dylan, I want to give your thoughts on uh, Impact this week. First off, why are you, why'd you yell that? You were like, I love Hendry. No, I do like Hendry. I like him. It honestly scared me. It startled me. Um, Joe Hendry. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, he just fucking, he's hollering over here. You got him Man. all excited. Um, no, nah, Impact, I think, is in, like Kyle said, they're in a, they're in a bad spot. They're losing a ton of talent, and they're bringing in, quite frankly, the wrong talent, if that makes sense. Look, it's no secret. I'm not a big Bully Ray fan. Um, but I do think he brings value. However, if that, that's, that's 10 years ago, um, not now. 
So I don't think mm-hmm. putting the belt on him is the right move. Um, but they're kind of like in panic mode right now. Yeah. It, 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 it sort of seems like. It's a Vince McMahon move. Exactly. Very, very much so. And, and we know how that turned out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think I think they're in a bad spot, but there is still great talent over there. I, I thought the Cardona Shelly match was very entertaining. That's two of my favorite wrestlers right now. Um, Shelly can still go, man. Yeah, yes, Shelly Shelly's still great. Cardona, you know, I, it's no secret how much I love Cardona. I've been saying it on the show for the last two years, but um, yeah, I think um, I think they're just in a bad spot, and they're kind of running out of options. And unfortunately, the options they have just aren't that great. I think I think they should uh, partner with GCW personally, so they can yeah. get some of that GCW talent on Impact. They, just, I mean, the biggest thing right now is they need bodies. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Well, if you remember, now granted, we were all either young or just in diapers or not even alive in Christian sense. Uh, but in the Attitude Era, the thing that kept ECW so fresh and different is well, they were simply different than WCW and WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that they ran more extreme programming. <laughs> so a partnership with GCW to make that promotion a little more hardcore, which I know is like Christian's, like it's right up his alley. It's what he likes. Um, yep. I think is a way to keep them fresh in more modern times. It's like a modern day attitude era of sorts. You have WWE putting on big programming. You have AEW signing all the big stars and putting on big programming. Impact's got to do something different to stay relevant. So why not put on more extreme programming and partner with a GCW like Kyle said? I think that'd be a good move. Yeah, absolutely. And they already saw Ellie catch up there, and she did great. So we'll have to yeah. see what happens there. All right, you guys ready for the indies this week? Yeah. All right. This week I'll be highlighting real action pro wrestling based out of Youngstown, Ohio. I will be covering some of their The Night He Came Home event, starting with Kip Page retaining the R.A.W. title against the Bouncer with a curb stomp. Dior Castro wins the vacant wildcard title against Kenny Collins with a small package. However, we'll be talking about DLA versus Bray McKenzie in a championship series match. So the story here was that Bray is on a journey to get his title back. And this is basically a number one contenders match for him. So if he loses, he's to the back of the line. Match itself was very fun. The power of DLA was the difference here with so many power slams and submissions. Bray's a great athlete, uses speed to get back into the match. Match ends with McKenzie kicking DLA repeatedly, and the ref calls the match so Bray wins. Great match. The emotion of him wanting that title back and finally getting that opportunity. It's just great stuff. Great storytelling, capping off a great night. My MVP goes to DLA, great all-around wrestler who sold that moment so well for Bray. I had to give him the MVP. So check out Real Action Pro Wrestling based out of Youngstown, Ohio. You can check that out on YouTube. And uh, it's just a very fun show here. You said the tagline of the show was the night he came home? Yes. That's got to be a Halloween reference, right? I'm not the only one. Like, I'm literally looking at a Halloween poster that with the same tagline, the night he came home. Anyway, yeah. that's, just me, that's just me being nerdy. Uh, we will be sure to tag both the promotion and Kyle's MVP on social media like we do every single week, so you guys can give them a like and a follow. Uh, one more time, for those who didn't catch it, who is your MVP? Uh, DLA. DLA. So uh, be sure to look them up and, and give them a like and a follow. Um Another another good segment with a uh, clear Halloween reference, whether uh, 
you guys want to side with me or not. I'm just a nerd, so. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, I don't really watch the movie, so, I mean, it's not really for me. But, um, yeah, but, Kyle, uh, Kyle's a loser. Youngstown, Ohio, man. They, uh, apparently they're good for wrestling. I didn't know that, so. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, it's called a real action pro wrestling, so like, keep it on your radar. Yeah. Um, anyway, Dylan, would you like to start with this day in history segment? Absolutely. So we are recording this on what's the date today? The thirtieth. Thirtieth. Yeah. Yep. yep. So all of these dates are uh, October thirtieth related. Are you guys ready? Yep. All right. We got some fun stuff ready. All right. <laughs> October thirtieth, nineteen sixty nine. From uh, Jifu, Japan, Antonio Inoki, who would later go on to create New Japan Pro Wrestling, and, oh, dude, I'm going to butcher this name. Okay. Uh, Makaiki? I don't know. Well, they they defeated Buddy Austin and Mr. Atomic (laughs) when the all-Asian tag team belts. (laughs) I was there. Uh, That was a great match. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you were there. <laughs> um, in 1990, at a TV taping for the main event in Fort Wayne, Indiana, ah. uh, one of the most famous, quote, phantom title changes in wrestling history took place. The Rockers defeated the Hart Foundation to win the WWF Tag Team Championships. The title change uh, reportedly took place become, because Jim Neidhart was due to leave the company and a title change was required. A few days later, he ended up actually agreeing to a new contract, so management decided to treat the title change as if nothing had happened. So the Rockers, for those who don't know, it's Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, um, they're basically not recognized as tag team champions. So technically didn't didn't happen. Uh, in 2001, Christian defeated Bradshaw on SmackDown to win the European Championship, and Booker T and Test won the WWF Tag Team titles from Chris Jericho and The Rock. First off, I had no idea Booker T and Test were ever tag team champions <laughs> together, and I certainly had no idea Chris Jericho and The Rock were ever tag team champions no, together. I didn't either. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 2007, six weeks after making his TNA wrestling debut, uh, Junior Fatu, formerly known as Rikishi in WWE, left the company over a pay dispute. How the fuck are you disputing pay six weeks into your run? That's like, is it like your, your pay and contract should be negotiated literally up front before you even show up? He said six weeks in, he's like, nah, is there more, brother? I don't know. <laughs> it's wild to me. Uh, in 2016, WWE ran their uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view from the uh, TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Roman Reigns pinned Rusev to retain the United States Championship, which, by the way, was a Hell in a Cell match for absolutely no reason. And Seth Rollins was pinned by Kevin Owens in the second Hell in a Cell match. Uh, the main event saw the women's championship uh, defended inside Hell in a Cell for the first time between Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Flair picked up the win, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Flair would go on to win the match. That was after the uh, very awkward table spot. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Where the table didn't break but still looked brutal as hell. 
Um, also in 2019, uh, AEW Dynamite was held in Charleston, West Virginia in the AEW Tag Team Championship Tournament Finals. SCU, which was Frankie Kazarian and Scorpion Sky, took on the Lucha Bros. Uh, the match ended via pinfall after Sky rolled Phoenix up for the win, and SCU was crowned as the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions. Also, today is the birthday of Edge. So happy birthday to the rated R superstar. That's what I got. That's all I got. Yeah, good stuff. Dylan, or uh, Christian, you got anything? Happy birthday to one of the goats. Absolutely. That's just absolutely outstanding. And still is today. Yeah. Um, all right. Are you guys ready for my top five power ranking segment? Mm-hmm. All righty. Let's get into it. Number five goes to WWE's Emma. She shocked the WWE fans by returning on Friday night, and she is exactly what WWE needs. Unfortunately, she was not able to win the match or get as much reaction as I wanted her to get, but she's still very valuable. Emma can be a big deal in the women's mid-card scene, the tag team scene, or even a stint at the main event level. Someone who Triple H trusts a lot and cannot wait to see what's next for her. Number four goes to Griffin McCoy. Most mainstream wrestling fans are not familiar with the name, but he is someone that had a big impact on the indie scene. This week, he was able to defeat Dylan McKay in a NFW title tournament first-round matchup. However, what caught headlines was the best four-of-seven falls match at a a GCW show where he beat Gabriel Sky. He he has been in every promotion on the indies you can think of. Keep your eye on him, especially in GCW. Number three goes to NXT's Ilya Dragunov. He is becoming one of the most underrated stars in wrestling, but after his performance recently, how can you not see the pure talent that he has? He did a great job putting over J.D. McDonough on Tuesday, but really what had the fans talking was that triple threat match against J.D. and Braun Breaker at Halloween Havoc. Someone who has a physical style also shows so much emotion in his work. He made those two look like a million bucks. Look for him to be on the main roster very soon. Number two goes to New Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Hiromu Takahashi. Everyone knows by now that New Japan loves their six- and eight-man tag team matches, but Takahashi is thriving in those matches. What a week he had, being 5-0 and in those tag matches with wins over United Empire, Master Wato, and Tomoaki. He is currently on a 10-match win streak, which is very impressive in New Japan. I wish they could shoot this man to the moon because he really is dependable for them. Number one, obviously, goes to Stardom's Mayu Itani. Sorry, Mayu Iwatani. Uh, the 29-year-old continues to be the standard of stardom at such a young age. is only going to continue to dominate women's wrestling. She went to New York to defend her SWA women's title against Kylan King, where she was able to retain. She also advanced to the IWGP Women's Title Tournament Final after beating Momo Watanabe and Utami in two days, which is absolutely incredible. I fully expect Mayu to win that title and represent it not just in Japan, but all over the globe. So uh, Mayu gets the top spot this week. So what do you think, Dylan? Sorry, I was writing notes down. Um... I am still in awe of how well you can pronounce some of these names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically because you just literally heard me butcher one of them uh, during my uh, <laughs> Disdain History segment. 
Um, but yeah, I think it's a really good list. Um, I like the fact that you put Emma on your list despite uh, taking the L. Um, she is clearly back full-time in WWE. I haven't seen confirmation that that's happened, but there were a lot of rumors uh, leading into SmackDown that she was making her return um, as a full-time member of the roster. So I like the fact that she got a shine. Is it just me or am I a little disappointed that she doesn't go by Tennille Dashwood? I mean, she's got she's got to go by Emma because of her because of her NXT run. She's got to go by Emma. I mean, fair, but they're clearly doing. I would assume the same character. I mean, she had the same attire, sunglasses, and everything, hair done the same way. So it's it's basically the Tennille Dashwood character, just different name. But um, yeah, I'm all for it. She looks like a million bucks. She really does. She has a great look, and uh, yeah, she's got a great look. And uh, dating Madcap Moss as well. So uh, really, yeah, they uh, she is dating Madcap Moss, one of Dylan's guys. Yeah, but um, him and him and Juice Robinson both. But uh, Christian, you got anything else before we move on? Hey, Ilya Dragunov. I would like to see him on SmackDown and have him just a one-off with Walter. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, let's run it back. That was our that was our match of the year last year, right? That was our match of the year. Deservedly so. But also, Emma and, did uh, a good Friday night. Uh, yeah, also, made... him and him and Sheamus too. Whew. That would be uh, that would be very fun. Him and McIntyre, dude. There's just so many guys that you could put with him. But um, all right, you guys ready to move on? Yep. All right, it is now time for our Millennium Pro Wrestling's Shinobi Show reactions. As always, we'll review every match and give a grade at the end. Remember, when you make your grades, keep in mind that this is an indie show, so be wary. But honestly, the promotion does so many great things. I expect the grades to be pretty high anyway. I'm super excited about this. Are you guys ready to get into it? Yes, sir. All right, so we're going to start with the first match. Koto Hiro versus Super Beetle for the MPW National title. Dustin Daniels was on commentary for the contest, but we started with a power struggle to see who could get the upper hand first. So, or some creative chain wrestling, but again, they're just dead even at this point. Uh, Koto hits a sweet DDT into a sunset flip in the corner. Hero took control of the match and keeping the match in the back right corner, but Beetle connected with a big vertical suplex to change the tide. Love the basement super kick that Beetle does. A lot of near falls in this match. These two just start slugging each other, which I really liked. But in the end, Beetle hits the single knee code breaker for the victory. Very entertaining opener and loved how even this match was, uh, allowing both guys to get their offense in. Personally, I wanted the pace to be a little bit quicker just because I feel like that's how both of these guys can go. But very solid way to get the show started. Uh, also, we did have an attack by Daniels on Super Beetle, so that made that moment even a little bit better, I thought. So, uh, Dylan, what did you think about the opening contest? I really liked it. Um, I love what Kodo can do in the ring. I would have liked to see him get the, the title here, but I, I'm not against uh, Beetle retaining. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a really good um, opening contest, and, and – um, very well done. Very, very crisp, very clean, which is kind of the standard for what we've seen with uh, MPW. They have a very talented roster, despite, you know, the somewhat inexperience. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Christian, what do you got? Now, before I start, everybody listening, this is my first exposure to MPW. So, 
You'll bear with me. Yep. First off, Dustin Daniels. That was some golden commentary, I will say. He's great. Koto Hero, I mean, I don't know if you guys share the same sentiment. He reminded me a lot of one of Kyle's favorites, Speedball Mike Bailey, you know, with his background, the way he does his punches, kicks, and all that. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, super great athleticism and all that. But Super Beetle, you mentioned the super kick he has. He has a really nice suplex. That is a clean suplex by him. Yep. But uh, that code breaker that Super Beetle did, that was super clean. That was a great way to end the match. Yeah, I, I, I thought that. I thought the whole match was well done, but what were you saying, though? A super clean super kick by Super Beetle. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, of course, Dylan's got to get stuff in. But, yeah. uh, Dylan, what what'd you grade this match out of five? Um, I thought it was a good opening match. Uh, very clean, very crisp. I'm going to go uh, 3.2 out of five. All right, Christian? I am a lot higher than Dylan. Wow. I'm at 3.8. Woo! All right, I'm at 3.5, so it's really interesting that we're all kind of in the middle there. Um, so we're going to move on. The Enterprise versus the Shady Boys in tag team action. Robin Shaw started this match absolutely dominating both of the Shady Boys using his power. I loved how the Enterprise had constant tags, keeping each other fresh in their opponent's guessing. That chop in the corner by Shaw shook the whole ring. Such a cool moment. Uh, Roth went for a splash in the corner, but was reversed by Morgan, then started the momentum swing with a big European uppercut. Then the Shady Boys hit a double axe handle. Commentary did a great job telling everyone how the Shady Boys were cutting the ring in half so he couldn't get the Shaw. Shaw does get tagged in after chucking his partner to the corner so it would be easier for him to get a tag. Super creative spot. Had a flurry of offense. Shaw gets nailed with a clipboard on the outside by the intern, allowing the Shady Boys to capitalize for the victory. Pretty clean match, I thought. The story here was that you know, the new manager, the intern, was on the outside. So the storytelling, I thought, was pretty spot on. I think it could have been a little bit longer. A very clean tag team match. Um, nothing too, too crazy. Uh, but I thought the story carried here. Uh, I just can't get over that spot about Shaw just chucking his, uh, mm-hmm. his tag team partner in the corner. So he gave tag. So I, have, I don't think I've ever seen that before. So uh, mm-hmm. really cool stuff. Uh, Christian, we're going to start with you. What do you think of this match? Yeah, I agree with what you said. This match could have went on a little bit longer. It kind of felt rushed, but not really. I just think it didn't get enough time. But what was interesting, you could tell these were two, you know, heel-type teams in a way. You could tell there was clearly heat between the two, but it's two heel teams, which, you know, as as we know, a heel versus heel, even in singles, makes for an interesting dynamic. Because, you know, who's the crowd going to get behind? Who's the crowd going to go against? Yep. Really interesting. Robin Shaw, no pun intended, looked really strong in this match. He was, for a guy his size, man, that dude can move. Yeah, he can. He really can. Uh, the Shady Boys, they had really nice tag work and you know, good storytelling. The way they tagged in and out, hit all their double team moves. All in all, it was just pretty good storytelling this match. Solid match, not long enough. Yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not against the the math match length as much as you guys. I think it was it was fine. It could have gone a little longer, but I don't think it took away too much from me. 
Um, I do want to shout out Robin Shaw. He has one of the best um, in-ring IQs, I yes. think, in, in, in independent wrestling. And I think he's a very creative uh, wrestler with, with some of the spots that he's capable of. And plus, like Christian said, I mean, the dude can move uh, despite his size. Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed this match. I am a sucker for the Enterprise, though, so I would have liked to see them pick up the W here. Um, that's probably my biggest uh, takeaway, but overall, it was still a fine match. Uh, very well done, very well executed. I think Robin Shaw stole the show here. Uh, that's just my opinion, but but I think all four really um, did good work and and should be proud of what they did. Um, what would you give it out of five? Uh, you start with me. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go uh, three point three point five. All right. Christian, I'm a little higher. I went three point seven. I went three point four. So we're we're all kind of close on that one. Moving on, Whew. Ray Rosas versus Cody Prince is next. So you guys ready for this one? Yep. Yep. The insecurity of Rosas walking around in the ring or outside the ring, uh, talking to the commentary team. What's the story here? But it did lead to a sneak attack. Uh, to start the match, super smart. Connecting with a lariat into a snap suplex. The confidence of Ray was shown early and often. Prince showed a lot of heart with haymakers to the chest, but Rosas, every time the babyface got things going, he was there to cut him off. Prince with a huge spinning shoulder tackle. I do really like how he runs the ropes. I think he's really, really good at it. Uh, Ray hits the super kick in this match at this point. It's going 100 miles an hour. The cartwheel shoulder block by Prince ruled. Then he turned that into a face buster. Action spills on the outside. Fans are very into it. And the way Prince went into the ring post, whew, he sold that very well. Uh, Rosas hit the razor's edge for the victory. After the match, Rosas cuts a quick promo. Then Johnny Robbie interrupts, teasing a match there. The match, I thought, ruled. The chemistry was there. The variety of the match was outstanding. I don't think the match had any issues for me. I just love the work on the outside, and it was a showcase for both guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> very, very well executed. Um, Ray Rosas has gotten a couple shout-outs on this show from, from guests that we've had. So I would definitely love to get him on the show in the future and kind of pick his brain because he's capable of, of so, so much. He's very, very talented. Uh, both these guys are. Um, I thought Cody Prince looked, looked like a million bucks as well. Like you said, very clean match, very crisp, um, and very, very well executed. This is going to be a, a high rating for sure, I think. Yeah. What do you think, Christian? All right, Kyle. I told you I had something interesting to say about Ray Rosa. So. Yep. Here it goes. I know you guys heard me say his name a million times in the past, but he reminded me of Seth Rollins with the heel work he did. No, I, I could see the similarities. I really could. And uh, his super kick, absolutely gold. Uh, the thing I pay attention to quite a bit in this match, both were really good at selling each other's moves. Cody Prince, you know, he sold that super kick, you know, like a champ. The way he kind of just you know how you're supposed to like almost faint or whatever when you get hit with a super kick. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. And Cody Prince himself, and that dude can go. I mean, this match was a sprint to the finish. Really fast paced, really well paced match. Yeah, it's I have a very high grade. Christian, we're gonna start with you. Uh, would you grade this match out of five? Four on the dot. 
All right. Dylan? 4.2. I had a 4.2 as well. I thought this was absolutely awesome. Uh, really good stuff by these two. And we're only halfway, so we yeah. have a lot more action. Um, we're going to go into Leo Canito versus Diego Valens uh, in singles action here. The athleticism was on display early with a great arm drag by Valens. I love the non-releasing Hurricane Rana into the punches to the face by Valens. Some mind games by Leo turns the tide with a big neck breaker. Leo controls the match with multiple submissions, but the babyface comes back with a moonlight suplex into a double stomp. Starts a massive rally there. Valens with a big power slam into a moonsault. The different combination moves that this guy has, absolutely insane. In the end, Valens hits a big spinning kick for the victory. After the match, Robin Shaw talks about the state of the Enterprise, and Leo wants to be a permanent member. He needs to lose the mask. Obviously, he did not. He went out with it, so he's not in consideration any longer. Uh, I thought it was a pretty solid match here. Pace quickened when Valens was on top. Uh, Leo was really there to sell that story. I thought he did a good job as well, but mm-hmm. the storytelling by him, I think was the story with Valens <laughs> more of like that worker and Leo was selling the moment storytelling overtook the match for me, but very smart booking in the match was everything it needs to be. So, uh, don't what you think? Yeah, I think, I think this is more about what happened post-match than the match itself. Not saying the match itself wasn't, wasn't good or clean. Um, and this is something that I love that, MPW does. Um, we've we've talked with a number of their wrestlers, and the big big takeaway is that since they do weekly shows instead of monthly, they're able to do storytelling, which a lot of the independent shows can't uh, yep. because they just don't run that much. Um, and that was on full display here. It really showed that this promotion is capable of of putting on a compelling story from a week to week basis, very similar to you know the bigger promotions like WWE, AEW, Impact, stuff like that. Um, and I think that was on full display here, and I absolutely loved it. Match itself was was very clean, very crisp. Um, but again, like you said, it was it was more about what happened post match than the match itself. Um, but I still thought I I, I still liked that. I thought it was done well. All right, what do you think, Christian? Well, as they say in wrestling, it's harder to work a crowd of ten than it is to work ten thousand, right? Yep. So it's kind of hard to tell a story. These two had no problem telling a story at all. I mean, I mean, dare I say, perfectly done with the storytelling. Yo, yeah. It is like you guys said, though. It was more about what happened post-match. The storytelling in the match, that was some top-tier stuff for that small of a crowd. You could tell those two also have pretty good chemistry on you know, the way they work with each other. Val and Diego, or that's the same person, sorry. <laughs> Diego and Leo... Both very impressive. I think Diego was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But the Falcon Arrow by Canada by Canado, that was a really good Falcon Arrow. But the super kick by Valens, top tier. No, dude. The combination moves. I'm sorry. Spinning, I, not super kick. The, uh, the combination moves by Valens I thought was big, big in this match. Uh, what did you grade out of five, Christian? Give it a 4.1. All right. Uh, Dylan? I'm a little lower. I'm going to go 3.6. All right. I also give a 3.6. So uh, we're going to move on to the next match. So the Baphomet with Auntie Heidi at ringside versus Mickey Rose in singles action. Uh, Rose using his speed and quickness early in the match until Heidi uses 
for mind control and opens the door for a big suplex by the Baphomet. Then the power game was the story putting over that this was one of the biggest challenges for the MPW champion. The arm drag where Miggy jumped out of the ring and then went back into the ring to still do the same motion in the arm drag. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the disaster kick for a two count. Miggy is at the top of his game until these masked men surround uh, Rose. They call the match because of interference. I don't know if they actually hit him at this point, but since they were in the ring, they did uh, call the match. Heidi gets in the ring, performs a big STO. She starts talking to Miggy with this dark voice using, and that language she uses was very insane, but it was very well done. But this was to set up a Heidi versus Rose match. Match itself, again, the storytelling overtook it here for me. Both guys did well. Miggy is just super smooth as usual. But the finish was the end goal, and I was not mad about the DQ finish. So No, uh, no I yeah, mean, it, 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 it fit. You know, this is kind of to piggyback off what I said about the, the Valens and, and, and Leo match. Um, this is where, like, MPW storytelling can shine. Um, and it, it made sense. I'm not mad about the DQ finish. I thought the match itself was very well done. A ton of storytelling going on inside the ring, outside the ring. Um, clearly painting the picture for a bigger story. Um, and I'm all for it. And, and I thought, I thought it was very well executed. I don't really have much to add on top of that. I thought the match itself was, was very well done, but again, it was just painting the picture for a much bigger story. So you kind of have to take it for, for what it is. But overall, I thought it was still very well done. Another, uh, another solid outing. Yeah, go ahead. Christian. Yeah, Miggy Rose, man. This is my first exposure to him. He's great. Good. Yeah, but he's he's really good. The story with Heidi and Baphomet, you know, being these two darker characters, and that voice that Heidi talks in. I mean, I know Halloween's tomorrow, but I felt like Halloween was on that day. Absolutely. You know, obviously, with a no contest finish, you can only say so much, but. You know, it's like Dylan said, it's painting the picture for a bigger story with Heidi and Miggy Rose having a match in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Christian, what'd you grade out of five? With it being a no contest, I did drop the score a little bit. I gave it a three point five. All right, Dylan. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go three point two. Still very well done, and uh, I love that we're pointing out Heidi's voice. I will say it is very eerie. Um, and when we spoke to her, she spoke in the voice pretty frequently. Absolutely love. Love what Heidi does. Yeah, absolutely. I, I gave it a 3.3, so we're right around the same. But in the main event, the Crypto Cartel versus Brothers Divine for the MPW Tag Team titles. You guys ready? <laughs> Loved the announcement for this match. It felt like a big deal. Very quick start with Brendan getting the upper hand, but Crypto slow uh, down the pace. Trying to anger the champion, he takes down Alejandro with some chain wrestling, but again, he leaves the ring. Danny gets tagged in, but the distractions cause Alejandro to connect with a big dropkick to turn the tide. Slammer on the outside continues to be a threat on the on the outside, like I said, making sure they stick to the game plan until Brothers Divine connect with a double splash on the outside, and they turn that into a double suplex. Slammer again gets involved in Primo connecting with punches to the face and even choking Brendan. Slowing down the pace went 
into the challenger's favor, I thought. Primo with a big chop into a bulldog on Brendan. Brendan finally gets to Danny and off the hot tag. He was on fire, taking both guys out at once with a huge kick to the head. Love the knee strike, then the drive-by kick to Primo that Danny did. After a 2.9 fall, Danny helps his brother out with a spinning back kick into a big stomp. Dude, I, I literally almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. That was insane. Brendan hits a big reverse face buster for the win. I, I, I'm going to let Dylan start with this one. It's no secret how I feel about the Divine Brothers. Oh, <laughs> dude. Um, um, and, and I absolutely love, love, love what these guys can do in the ring. I love what Brendan can do in the ring. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I drafted him when we did our, our fantasy yeah. rosters. Yep. Um, these two were a million bucks. And I don't want to take away from, from the crypto cartel either because they, they looked great too. Yep. Um, but for me personally, the biggest takeaway is that the Brothers Divine um, are one of the best tag teams, dare I say, on the planet that no one has heard of. Oh, absolutely. Um, I absolutely. love, love, love what these guys can do. They're so clean in the ring. They're so crisp in the ring. There is no wasted movement. It, 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 everything has a purpose. And it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe every time I watch one of their matches. And it just baffles my mind that someone bigger hasn't scouted them out yet. Because these do, these, these two are, are set for a big stage. It's yeah. just it's just a yeah. matter of someone noticing and taking a chance because um, they're some of the cleanest workers I've seen in in tag team wrestling today, and that's we all know that's a pretty hefty pool. Um, yeah, with some of the tag teams that are running around right now in the bigger promotions, these these two deserve shine. The Crypto Cartel, I love what they can do too. They're they're very good, and this match this match ruled. Um, oh, yeah. If I'm gonna be brutally honest, it is by far my favorite match. I know I'm getting ahead of myself because uh, we do that at the end of these, but for me, it was match of the night. This was this was great, great yeah. work. Absolutely. All right, Christian, go ahead. And and brothers, wow. You know, I felt like for a while the crypto cartel were kind of isolating Brendan Divine, so mm-hmm. you know, Dane Divine sitting there just building up steam and. Then he gets that hot tag, and, man, he was on fire. He was. He came in, ball of fire, 100 miles an hour, no care in the world. He took over the match single-handedly. I mean, if we were mm-hmm. giving MVPs per match, I'd be giving it to Danny for yep. sure. Yeah. But the Crypto Cartel, as Dylan mentioned, really good tag team, too. Really good stuff. There was no wasted movement by them either, I thought. Mm-hmm. But the Divine Brothers... They won the show over for me. They yeah. won the show as one incredible tag team. I could see them on like an impact scene, maybe. Not like, um, yeah, they could be on a big stage, but I think impact would fit them really well with how fast paced they are. I mean, I could even personally see them on NXT. I, I see them anywhere. I, I, I could really, I mean, good. exactly. Like, if, if, you, if you put them on NXT, you have them build with the mainstream fans. I think that's where NXT could shine with them so they can wrestle some of this talent. Dude, they are absolutely insane. And that doesn't take anything away because it does take two teams to tango. I thought yeah. the storytelling by the Crypto Cartel was great. And uh, it really put over 
how big that moment was for them to retain those titles. Just the facial expressions by the uh, the Brothers Divine. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they, they just do everything well. Uh, I thought this ring psychology was top-notch. Jack Slammer on the outside I, I thought was absolutely great. It was just nonstop action. And uh, I, I just thought the match was absolutely great. I could have used another five, ten minutes of this match. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- this ruled. Uh, Dylan, what would you give it out of five? I went 4.6. All right. Christian? went 4.5. I went 4.7. So we're uh, right there. Yeah, all right there. But that is uh, that is MPW Shinobi. So um, real quick, so we already know Dylan's. Uh, Christian, what was your match of the night? I am right with Dylan. Brothers Divine versus Crypto Cartel. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, Dylan, do you want to go in your like final analysis of what you saw, and then your grade out of ten for the whole show? Yeah, I've, I, you know, it's 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 no secret <laughs> how much Kyle and I love this promotion. Um, not just from from a kind of working relationship standpoint, since we, you know, we've had a number of the wrestlers on the show, and they've all been great to talk to. But just as a fan, um, just watching what they do, and and you know, I've 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 said it numerous times during the rundown. The fact that they run weekly shows, they're able to enhance the story. It's not just a match and a match and a match and a match. Like this is a this this is this is a show. It's not just you know a, a card full of dream matches. Like yeah. you see a lot of on on the independent scene, which isn't bad by any means because no. you know it's just it it is what it is. Um, but they're able to take that to a whole nother level and actually paint you know a bigger picture like i said with the mickey rose thing and the auntie heidi thing and, and uh um the divine brothers they're just they're they're a million bucks <laughs> yeah. I, could, I, I, I could see them you could plug and play them literally in any promotion i think they could work with anybody at this yeah. point um kyle and i've said numerous times that the probably the best wrestler off a of hot tag ever is randy orton yeah and danny divine might be up there yeah he looked like a star coming yeah he that did hot tag um, so if he's listening, you know, kudos to you, brother. You're, you're, you're insane. Um, out of 10, I'm going to go pretty high. This is, this is one of the better, uh, MPW shows that I've seen. Um, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of break the rules here. I'm going to go 7.99 out of 10. So just under an eight. Um, still very well done. A lot of good storytelling. A lot of clean, uh, clean uh, ring work. So I'm gonna go about seven point nine. All right, Christian, we'll go to you. All right, this was better than any Vince show I watched in 2022. But, Absolutely. Uh, for my first ever, like I said, this is my first ever exposure to MPW. So mm-hmm. you know, and I knew it was indie scene, so I'm not gonna lie. I had you know, kind of low expectations, but I mean, all these guys look amazing you know their storytelling almost takes over the matches the matches were still great you know like dylan said very crisp very clean felt like everyone doing every move they did had a purpose it was really good you know i really enjoyed watching and it's definitely something i'm gonna invest into in the future whenever they post uh night grade i'm gonna give it I'm going to go 8.3. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually gave it 8.2. So I, I was right with it there. Very fun show. The matches all 
got around the same time, which I really liked. It made every match feel important, not just like the main event or the opener. Mm-hmm. Storytelling this promotion does is just unbelievable and better than the major companies at times. This yeah. makes you want to see what comes next, and that's what and that's why MPW is so special. Everyone was outstanding and was very impressed by the storytelling and pro wrestling balance that they had. Um, so I'm really excited to see what is next for them. I, I still can't get over that spinning back kick and the big stomp by Danny. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, I give that 8.2. Very good stuff. And uh, that was it for MPW's Shinobi. So we're going to move on. Uh, Dylan, what is your dummy yeah moment of the week? All right. Since Christian's on the show, I have to poke fun at his boy. Did All you right. guys see Seth Rollins' hair at, uh, yeah. at Seamus' wedding? Yeah, what about it? Dude, come on. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> when, is, when is Seth Rollins going to learn that the whole blonde hair thing with him just doesn't work? Um, however, I wasn't a massive, like, I, I, I didn't hate the blonde streak that he did during his oh, NXT run and the, and the early Shield stuff. But now he's got this, like, it's like, it's not even like blonde blonde. It's like, I don't, I don't know, like a dirty kind of muted blonde almost. I don't know. I think he looked like a dork. Um, but it, it definitely, you know, Seth Rollins is still a million bucks, so it's not going to take away too much. It did, when I saw the image. Yeah, watch what you say about him. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I saw the image um, from the wedding, and I'm like, what is Seth doing? Come on now. This is, this is up there with Gargano stealing JBL's hat. Like, what are we doing, man? You're just a menace. Um, but no, Seth's still great, but I had to kind of poke fun at that and have a little fun, especially since Christian's on the show. But that a little lighthearted, nothing, nothing bad. I'm not going to dog on anyone today. Just uh, <laughs> probably a little, little poor fashion choice. But, uh, you know, Seth's going to make it work. And, you know, he's, he's a million bucks, so he can do what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really have much to add. I, I think it actually doesn't look too bad on him. No, I, mean, I, I didn't like it. I, I love the blonde streak. I, I thought that was his best look ever. So I, I hope he does go back to that one day. But uh, Christian, what do you think? All right, first off, I'm going to uh, say what Dylan's doing, that Dylan says Kyle does a lot. You're drinking Haterade. Yeah, see, I mean, it's not just me on the show. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Let's go. I, I, I give love to everybody, except who I'm about to give love to because I'm not giving love to them. So my WMO of the week actually goes to another podcast. Yes, Dylan, Kyle, I listen to more podcasts besides you guys. Hater. Oh, shut up. You talk bad about the GOAT, so. Yeah, you had you had Roman Reigns ahead of Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Go on. So I was with another podcast, and it was basically an Extreme Rules breakdown. I haven't been on the show, you know, in quite some time. Extreme Rules have all passed, but I have to bring this up. They said Extreme Rules was a mid-show at best, and the Bray Wyatt return, because it was so predictable, didn't help it. I mean, see, see, this is why WJTW is uh, is the best wrestling podcast out there. I mean, I, I'm just biased I just, though. I I just don't know how you could think that. Like, there was so many good. I mean, from the opener to that moment in the end, I, I just I don't know how you could think they that. Said personally, the opener was boring. It was too slow. That's what they said. Too slow. I thought it was too fast at times. Dude, they literally destroyed the ringside area in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I do. We lost I, I barricade. We lost barricade match one. Too slow. Give me a break. Yeah, it's... you don't. You don't have to say the podcast name because we're not gonna. You know, 
take a ton of personal shots, but um, but fuck them. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know. There, I mean, everyone's got their opinion. I don't agree. I thought the Bray thing was one of the best moments of the year, personally. But, but see, um, see Kyle, Kyle's a little nicer than me. Fuck him. But uh, we're gonna move on to mine, and I'm absolutely not uh, kind-hearted this week, like Dylan. My dummy of the week goes to the AEW World Title Eliminator matches. These matches are absolutely pointless. I get having different wrestlers possibly getting an opportunity at the title, but the full gear match is already announced, so why are we having these matches? The champion, especially when it's John Moxley, wins every single one of these, 100%. I like how he's wrestling members of the firm. I think he has Moriarty this Wednesday on Dynamite. But they need to end these matches because not only is it predictable, it also starts to diminish the importance of having a number one contenders match if Moxley's not in a long story like he is with MJF. So ultimately, who is feuding with, that's your end goal. Nothing matters in between is what I'm trying to get out. If no, if someone doesn't know what these matches are, basically, if you beat the champion, you get a world title match. I just don't like these at all. Uh, but that's my dummy I'm of the week, Dylan. I mean, I don't blame you. Um, there's a lot of things that AEW does right, and there's a lot of things AEW does wrong. And like you said, these Eliminator matches really don't make any sense to me. Especially if you're just going to have the champion go over. Yeah. Like, what's the point? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, I guess it's just a marketing way to get the fans. I don't. I mean, maybe, hey, maybe one day they will swerve us. And nah, the champion loses, but I don't see it happening. All right, Christian, what do you think? I mean, you've got your feud in place. Like, mm-hmm. And why risk a, the champ getting injured? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I can understand because they want the champion to appear and do something. Because, I mean, that's who the fans are basically coming to see, right? I mean, not everybody's coming to see him specifically. But, I mean, you can have him appear in a different way, you know. Have him do just a match on the main event. It doesn't have to be for the title. Or anything involving the title, yeah. Yeah, it could just be a match just like, we'll just, oh, you know, Moxley's facing this jabroni or whatever. But, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't see the point. Well, and, and, and Mox, is, Mox is in a group. Yeah. He usually yeah. run like a, like a tag match. So he's still on TV or he's ringside with the, with the combat club or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, these, okay. I will say this, the, the eliminator matches aren't a terrible idea because AEW's pay-per-views are so spread apart. They only do like four or five a year. Mm-hmm. However, this close to one, when your main event is literally already set, that's what doesn't make sense. Yeah. If this was like, fresh off of full gear and, like, say, Mox retained or whatever, which I don't see happening. But just say hypothetically, he retained. There's no feud set in place, and they have, what, they have, what, three months to build or or longer than that, four months to build to to Revolution in March or or whatever. I don't know what their full pay-per-view schedule is like, but um, then it kind of makes sense to do kind of these one-off matches like, oh, he's defending the title on Dynamite this week. Everyone tune in. This close when the match is already set, that that's what doesn't make sense to me. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just very, very odd. But, uh, Don, would you like to tell everyone what we're doing next week and then get us out of here? Do we have a set plan next week? 
Uh, I know, yeah, I know well, some things are kind of kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, right? so I can go into it, Dylan, if you yeah. want. So yeah. I am trying to set up an interview with somebody. I'm not going to say their name yet. But if we can get that, that'll be next week. Bro, if... shut yeah. up. Yeah, I yeah. Wish. First, first question I'm asking him: What the fuck he's doing with his hair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually an X Pac. It's coming on the show. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Kidding. Kyle's doing that solo. <laughs> yeah, not doing that. I'm kidding. Um, so we're gonna try to get an interview <clears throat> next week. If not, we will be reviewing WWE's Crown Jewel, which is next Saturday. So that'll be another Sunday show. So that'll be what we're doing next week. Hopefully. I'm really hoping we can get this interview set, but if not, we'll be doing that crown jewel. But uh, some really cool stuff uh, on the way there, and I cannot believe tomorrow is Halloween already. So uh, I'm going to be Love eating it. a lot of black licorice. I don't know about you guys. That is but, so uh, fucking disgusting. I don't I don't get the hate for it, man. I think it's great. I hate I play tomorrow, Monday Night Football. Everybody tune in. I hate the fact that you just hyped up black licorice. And you just wasted time on. The, I'm editing that out. No, you know it. what's weird? I only know one person who likes it. Literally, everyone I met, I know one person. Who? You? My mom. <laughs> my mom. My mom's the only one who likes my glucose. I mean, I could literally eat pounds of it at one sitting, but. Skittles is the goat. I mean, Skittles are so, pretty good. And, so fucking disgusting. And Twizzlers, and dude, I can eat a ton of Twizzlers. Too, okay, but... Twiz- Twizzlers by far my favorite snack, my favorite candy. But black licorice, you're, there's a special place in hell for you. Nah, the black licorice <laughs> is one. And then also, <laughs> also sour straws, very slept on. Love sour yeah, no, sour straws slap. Yeah, good. especially the blue ones. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I, no, yeah. I, like, I, like, I like green apple, but yeah. Blue ones uh, are the best, I think. I don't know. Wait, which ones did you say? The blue ones. Yeah, the blue ones are great. Uh, real quick, before we head out, quickly, who do you think is going to face the Judgment Day and pair with the OC? So, obviously, in War Games, they're setting up all of Judgment Day versus uh, Styles, Gallows, Anderson, and a woman. Dylan, quickly, who who's going to be in that spot? Dude, I have... <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I, I don't um, either. I, don't, I can. I don't know. I'm gonna try and look up some stuff here real quick. Christian, give your thought real quick, and then come back to me. Well, I mean, do they bring maybe like Indy Hartwell up? Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a really tough one. Yeah, I mean, there's just not like I, I'm trying to think because in NXT, I just don't no because you're gonna have to really sell somebody that can go against Rhea and there's not a lot of people that can do that I'm gonna be honest with you I've seen people say like the thing about I guess bringing up Nikita Lyons no too she's not ready yeah no way too soon I like her I like her but no no I wouldn't be against Zoe Stark because I think Zoe Stark is actually ready Zoe Stark Um, good option I mean would you take? I, uh, the, would they even consider Tessa Blanchard? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First pay per view match, I don't think. Because I mean, here's the thing: if you put Tessa, I mean, she is pretty believable against yep. Rhea. I just, with all the politics, I just don't think they're going to bring her. It's very tough because I'm looking at the free agent list now. That's what I was looking up to. I'm thinking. I mean, I just. I think I think it could be someone from outside the company. Yes. It's just I don't know maybe outside of, of of Tessa if there's anyone in the free agent market that's believable to go up against Rhea. 
Well, remember there are um, there are wrestlers that you know were friends with the Good Brothers in Japan. So could we mm-hmm. see someone that was in Stardom or from Tokyo Joshi Pro? That's what I was thinking. So it, it's it's going to be very interesting because there's a lot of names that could be out there. I think Blair Davenport personally would be a really good fit because she is believable enough to do that. Uh, Christian, you have one uh, guess before we head on out? I'm going to say Indy Hartwell. Indy, I mean, Indy Hartwell does make sense in a way just because I think her and Rhea have crossed paths. Yeah. So it, um, I, I think there could be something there. I think personally, if you're going to bring Indy up, it's going to be in the other match with Candace in some way. I'm not sure mm-hmm. yet, but, uh, but that is it for this week. Very fun show. Um, we hope everyone enjoy it. And thanks for listening to this point. We are on the road to crown jewel, but more importantly, uh, we are on the road to survivor series. Wait, War are we on the survivor series or are we on the road to, um, full gear first? I think full gear is first. I could be wrong though. Okay. But who cares? We're, we're looking forward to survivor series and, uh, We will catch everyone next week. (laughs) He said, who cares?